This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be with you this afternoon on a very, very significant and special day in the Jewish calendar. Yes, today, tomorrow, and Friday all line up to tell us the Purim story. We've been speaking about Purim over the last couple of weeks, and uh, today I thought we would just get into the practicals. Let's talk about practically speaking. What should you be doing today? What are the various different uh, prayers that are said? What are the things that are done? What are the practical things that are um, going to take place and need to take place this evening as well as throughout the day tomorrow? And uh, then as well on Friday, because Friday is called Shushan Purim, and there is a significance to that as well. So let's begin with today. For those of you who don't know, today is a fast day. Today is called the Fast of Esther. The Fast of Esther is the day on which we fast, and um, in case you didn't know, the fast began at about 10 to 5 this morning. Um, If you were up bright and early and had something to eat to see you through the day, well done. Um, Otherwise... um, it um, continues all the way through the day, no eating or drinking of anything, um, all the way through until preferably after we have heard the Megillah. It actually gets dark this evening at about seven or eight minutes past seven, so that would kind of be the cutoff time, but that is also the time at which we should start hearing the Megillah. So, first up, today, a fast day, we should not be eating or drinking, um, fast incumbent upon all uh, Jews who are over the age of bar and bat mitzvah, um, men and women equally fall under the banner of this particular fast and should be fasting today. Our prayers differ in that in the morning service, well, I suppose it's a bit late for that now, but if you haven't yet done your uh, morning davening, we do make some notable additions to the prayers. First of all, we say slichot. Slichot are penitential prayers that are said on every fast day. The idea of saying penitential prayers, of course there are some that are designated, so watch out in the back of your siddur or in your prayer book, take a look and see that they are the ones that are specifically designated for the fast of Esther. The fast of Esther being today, the day before Purim, specially designated prayers of a penitential nature, which leads us to understand that this is a day of repentance. All fast days, if you think about it, why is it that um, Judaism preaches and pushes us to fast on particular days? Well, they have one thing in common, all the fasts, and that is that it is meant to put us into a frame of mind whereby we understand how dependent we are on God for our food, for our drinks, for um, our sustenance, um, and how at some times when it is temporarily taken away from us, how we need to then think about and focus on our spiritual sustenance. And um, in thinking about the spiritual sustenance and most pointedly perhaps on the fast of Esther today, we need to think about how it was and how it is that um, Hashem, that God actually causes everything good, bad and ugly to happen and that uh, since there is a um, a spiritual action um, that causes things to happen such as the terrible decrees of Haman as well as the fact that we may we manage to overthrow Haman and uh, get through the Pur- Purim story unscathed or relatively unscathed that um, 
it had to do with some kind of a spiritual reason. There is a spiritual reason why everything in this world functions and everything in this world happens. It is not just by chance. It is um, perhaps something that we need to look at and think about with the amazing, amazing things that happen before our very eyes in our own country. How is it and what is it from a spiritual point of view? That drives the ability for change to happen, for change in government, for change in uh, the way that people think. Um, certainly, it is due to, undoubtedly from a Jewish point of view, it is due to the um, spiritual um, elements and the spiritual things that are done by people. In other words, um, when you do acts of goodness, when you do acts of kindness, that um, undoubtedly makes a huge difference in um, the fiber, in the lifeblood of a country, of a place, of a space. It has an impact. It has an influence. And so when we think about this on a day like today, a fast day, when we obviously are taking a little more time uh, because we didn't have to have breakfast, we didn't have to have lunch, you know, those are all kind of time wasters in your day. Um, they take up your time and they take your focus away and you're thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch and so on. Well, you uh, seem to have a lot more time. Well, Hopefully we can use that time to think about the things that we need to correct in our own lives. So it pushes us to focus inwardly, to think about the importance of our spiritual sustenance, to think about the importance of God and of godliness, and to think about the importance of tshuva, of repentance. And so on all fast days, we say penitential prayers and the prayers of penitence that we would have said or that we should have said this morning encompass um, all of that and trying to get us to focus on um, uh, realizing that only by the grace of God do we actually go anywhere and do are we actually able to do anything and therefore we need to foster much better relationships between ourselves and the Almighty, between the Almighty and us. We need to recommit ourselves to doing good things. We need to recommit ourselves to our Torah and our mitzvot and so that penitential prayer service which is added into the davening, into the prayers of this morning, of today is um, directed in that way and in that direction. We also say the long Avinu Malkenu as it is known. Now Avinu Malkenu are prayers that of course we are used to saying during the uh, time of the 10 days of repentance, uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and so on, where we say Avinu Malkenu, where we implore God, who is our Father and our King, to um, accept our prayers and so on. And we extend that Avinu Malkenu prayer, of course, to all the fast days. And so that, too, would have been said this morning in our prayer service. This afternoon um, at Mincha time, um, and most people will be davening Mincha, will be uh, doing the Mincha service sometime before the Mairev and reading of the Megillah this evening. And the Mincha service um, has within it also all the things that have to do with the fast day. So there is um, um, the idea of reading from the Torah, a special Torah reading that is um, a done on all the fast days with a Haftorah, with an additional reading from the prophets that takes place um, later on this afternoon or early this evening. And um, we then say the prayer Anenu, Anenu being the prayer in which um, as part of our Amida, of our Shmona um, Esrei, as it is known, of our main stand-up uh, prayer, we um, pronounce to God that uh, we are fasting, that it's Yom Tzum, 
It is a day of fasting, and on this day we ask God to intercede on high and um, acknowledge the newfound and the stronger bonds that we have fostered, accept our tshuva, accept our repentance, and um, grant us the simcha, the joy that is certainly going to follow. It is traditional today before Mincha to give extra charity, and the extra charity today takes a very, very significant form. It may not and it should not be confused with the charity that we have to give tomorrow, which is done as Matanotla Evyonim. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, but this afternoon before Mincha, we give something very, very special, which is called Machatzit HaShekel. We'll talk about that um, in a short while. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So in this week's Parsha that we're going to be reading on this coming Shabbat, we read about the idea of having to contribute to the Mishkan, to the tabernacle. Contributions had to continue and were given, of course, to the temple as well. Now, one of them, and the major one that we speak about in this coming week's Parsha, is about the Machatzita Shekel, the idea of giving Half a shekel. That half shekel is mentioned actually three times, and so um, it is pertaining to three different half shekel contributions that had to be made. So the first question is why a half? Well, when we think about the concept of a half, half is dafka. I mean, this sounds strange, I suppose, but it's dafka, not a whole. A half. Um, we, as an individual, have to see ourselves really as only being one half. We're a half, not a complete anything in any way, because we would not be, were it not for God, were it not for godliness, were it not for our fellow men, and so we can only um, see ourselves as being a half. When God wanted to have the Jewish people counted in the desert, um, this doubled up as a way of taking the census as well, and each individual had to put in half a shekel, the shekel being um, a weight of silver, half a piece of silver that had to be contributed, and um, these minted coins or these minted weights um, were made in something that was actually called a half, half a shekel, the idea again being of us not being complete, of needing God in order to complete us and to complete ourselves. So the half shekel became symbolic, not only of the actual donation that the Jewish people had to give um, in temple times. And by the way, it was always done in the days preceding the month of Nisan, which is coming up next month in the month in which Pesach occurs. And therefore, it was predominantly done in this, what is known as the 12th month, the last month in the number of the months, and particularly in relation to the idea of all the contributions that had to be made for the temple and for all of its needs and for the communal sacrifices and so on. So, today on Purim, on Erev Purim, um, which is the day before uh, Purim itself, it is traditional to give that half shekel contribution today. While we do not have a temple and we do not have those sacrifices and so on, the, cha- the money goes simply to charity, but it is still incumbent upon all men 
all men over the age of 20, in fact, to actually give these half-shekel contributions. How do we do this and how do we affect it? Well, we could simply do it by putting some money into a charity box, but in order to make it really, really like the half-shekel contributions, in most shuls this evening at Mincha time, this afternoon, they will have plates put out or uh, charity boxes put out and they will have um, three half shekels. Now the half shekels can either be half silver silver shekels from uh, Israel in Israeli currency. Hopefully they are actually silver or three half dollars, um, which also come in um, silver as well, or three half of any currency, actually, that is actually of silver. Now, we have a bit of a problem with our own local currency because there is actually nothing in our currency that is called a half. If we think about it, we've got a uh, 50 cent piece or we've got a, a five rand coin, but that five rand coin is not... We know that it's half of 10 rand, yes, but it doesn't say on it half. The idea is that it should be a half of something. And um, therefore, it is preferable to take something that has this element of being a half and contributing it. So um, hopefully in your shul, they will have um, these three half coins, half silver dollars or shekels. You will then put some money into the pot in other words, to purchase them for your, in order to enable yourself to give them back. Yes, it sounds like a bit of a, uh, a trick move, but uh, we want to be able to actually physically give the three half coins. And so therefore, just purchase them, give them back, put them back into the plate. Some people pick them up and down three times um, and so on. But um, the idea of giving these half shekels takes place and takes effect this afternoon before we come to Myriv and the reading of the Megillah this evening. As I mentioned before, the fast ends with the reading of the Megillah. So we postpone the end of the fast. We don't usually try and draw it out, but of course, because it is joyous, because it's celebratory, um, we go into this whole afternoon in a slightly different vein, in a slightly different way to what we ordinarily would have done or we would do on any other fast day. And so, for instance, this afternoon at Mincha time already, we do not say Tachanun, penitential prayers are not said. We do not say the Avinu Malkenu, although we do have the Torah reading and the Haftorah, as we mentioned before, at Mincha time this afternoon as well. This evening, as soon as... Um, the fast is out, and as soon as we do our evening service, we do our Mayriv. In the Mayriv prayer, we already say Al-Hanissim. We say a an additional prayer, which is talking about and praising God for the wonderful miracles that he wrought on our behalf in bringing about the salvation through Mordechai and Esther and the triumph over the um, uh, Persians, uh, the Babylonians, and the way that they had tried to enforce or tried to bring about the uh, destruction of the entire Jewish people, God forbid. And so um, we say that in our prayers, and then right after we have finished our Mayriv, our evening service, we read the Megillah. The entire Megillah is read. The entire book of Esther needs to be read out of a scroll. And so your rabbi, your reader, the person who is laning the Megillah, reading the Megillah as uh, we call it, will have the Megillah in front of him. 
he um, ordinarily actually folds it. The Megillah is, while it's a scroll, it's actually folded to resemble a letter because at the end of uh, the Megillah we talk about the Igeret, the letters that were sent <clears throat> informing uh, the people all over that they now had a license to celebrate, commemorate this beautiful festival of Purim um, at the decree of Achashverosh. So it's folded up and um, read from a scroll. The scroll should be a parchment scroll with the entire Megillah, the whole book of Esther written in um, the original um, Hebrew, uh, the way that it actually occurs and appears in that book of Esther, written out to read um, in a particular tune, in a particular tone. And the tone, of course, is a joyous um, tone, but at times falling back into the reminiscences and the remembrances of the sadness of the banishment from Jerusalem. Remember that this was a big event that took place during our exile. It was the first of the Babylonian exile um, major events, the story of Purim, and therefore we kind of reflect back a little bit from time to time into the mournful tones that you will hear only on Tisha B'Av in Shul. However, the, in the main, it is very upbeat. Um, we read through the entire Megillah. It is very, very important because according to Jewish law, the Megillah has to be heard um, in order and it has to be heard every word. Now you ask number one um, the idea of hearing it in order um, why is that so important? Well what um, we mean by that is that uh, you couldn't have somebody coming in, they forgot, or they came in late, so they hear the first half and then go back and hear the second half. The, uh, they hear the second half and then go back and hear the first half and later. No, it's got to be heard in order. It needs to be heard from the beginning to the end, from the word Vayihi um, Bimeach, the words Vayihi Bimeach Hashverosh, right at the beginning of that Megillah all the way through. You do not have to actually read it yourself, but it's good to mouth the words as you go along. And make sure that you actually are confident that you have heard every word. So, of course, we need to make sure that there are no distractions. Um, you've got to switch off your cell phone. You've got to stop taking your emails and your uh, SMSs and uh, playing on Facebook. You've got to um, get everything um, focused that you're following in a book because otherwise you're really not going to be able to hear. Follow in a book um, if you can or in a Megillah of your own. And listen to the reader and make sure that you can hear him because um, sometimes there are kids that make a lot of noise in shul. Sometimes there are all sorts of other distractions. We need to hear every word of the Megillah read out aloud from the beginning to the end. And only the reader really needs to read it from a proper Megillah. You're welcome to follow um, in any other book, Chumash um, or uh, Megillah of your own in order to be able to follow along. If you don't have one to follow along, just to hear it is what is of paramount importance. So the Megillah is read um, in um, quite quick um, um, mode because um, it's difficult to keep people's attention for that long, but it should take approximately half an hour um, to read out this entire book. Um, we call it the reading of the Megillah. Um, the second thing that we need to bear in mind, or that is uh, traditional during the reading of the Megillah, is that whenever the name Haman is mentioned, that we actually make a noise. Now, this is where it comes from. The people have what they call a gragger, a uh, rattle of some sort um, that makes a noise. And 
uh, traditionally children at this stage have fun making noise, banging on the tables, um, 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 setting off their cap guns or whatever else it is that they use to make a noise. Um, when we hear the name Haman, there are those who prefer that we only um, uh, make a noise at the time of the name Haman being mentioned when there are certain adjectives that are added. In other words, when his lineage is given or when we talk about um, him with all his adjectives of how wicked and bad and terrible he was, that only on those occasions is the name Haman mentioned. But otherwise, when it's just in the context of the story and his name is mentioned, we don't make a noise in order to effectively obliterate his name, um, wipe it out. But here comes the interesting uh, poser, the difficult uh, thing that a lot of people find um, kind of uh, peculiar about this whole story is we have to make sure that we've heard every word of the Megillah and yet we're making noise. So we've got to make sure that we make the noise and that we allow the reader to continue without making too much noise that we will have missed out any of the words uh, within the Megillah. We need to hear the Megillah, every word of it read from beginning to end. The reader of the Megillah will make a few blessings um, before it is traditional to stand up when those uh, blessings are said. We can sit down for the reading of the Megillah, although you may want to stand in order to retain your attention and so on. Um, and then there is a blessing that is said at the end by the reader. And during the duration of the reading of the Megillah, it is traditional not to talk from the beginning right until the end, from the first blessing until the end of the last blessing. We should not say anything. We should not talk at all because that in itself is a, a distraction and a break and we may not have fulfilled the mitzvah of hearing the Megillah properly and also if you're talking to somebody well either they or you or both are not going to be hearing every word of the Megillah as it should be read. So that is tonight and tomorrow morning. We need to hear the Megillah read twice on Purim. Tonight in the darkness hours uh, we need to hear the Megillah, and it needs to be heard again tomorrow during daylight hours. Many shuls will have Megillah readings from early in the morning. Please contact the shul near you, or there are lists of different places where Megillah is going to be read, and people could come along, go along, get there in order to hear the Megillah. It can be heard at any time during the day, before Shkia, before sunset, um, on uh, Thursday. Um, one should hear the Megillah read for the second time. There are several other mitzvot that pertain to Purim and that have to take place and that we have to do on this incredible and beautiful festival. All of them have, and I think that um, I'm right in saying that when we think of the Megillah, it is like a wraparound. You know, it is also God embracing us, I think, in the uh, roll-up of this Megillah um, with his strength, with his warmth, and with simcha, with joy, because, of course, that is the watchword of this entire festival, to have a positive attitude, to be happy, to be besimcha, to be joyous, and to make sure that that joy is infectious, that it's catchy, and that it exudes from us, but that it incorporates everybody else in the most wonderful and most beautiful fashion. I'll be back with you right after this for some more on what we have to do on Purim. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi and welcome back. Yes, we're talking about all the things that we need to know about Purim. We've spoken about the Megillah. We've spoken about the fact that we need to hear every word. We've spoken about um, all of the prayers, perhaps, that we need to bear in mind. Um, and then there are several mitzvot that have to be done 
tomorrow. That is on Thursday. Should not be done beforehand, but should be done tomorrow. And those mitzvot are, besides the hearing of the reading of the Megillah, the giving of mishloach manot. Mishloach manot means that one has to give food gifts, ready-to-eat foodstuffs, food or drink, that is ready to be eaten, that is ready for consumption, to a friend. Now, the uh, foodstuffs have to be at least two. There's got to be at least two foodstuffs. By the way, not a lot of people know, but it needs to be over a certain amount. Um, most of our amounts will qualify, um, but it can't be smaller than about 20-odd grams um, each. Um, so it's got to be something that's fairly substantial that could qualify as a bit of a meal for somebody. And um, that then is given two foodstuffs given to a friend. The Megillah is quite specific, and the story of Purim is quite specific in that a man should give to a man and a woman should give to a woman. Um, and the idea is this concept of sharing, of sharing who would you share your lunch with, who would you share your food with. It would be with somebody who is close to you, somebody that you care about, somebody that you love. You do not have to go crazy and give to everybody. Um, you fulfill the mitzvah with one it is lovely and beautiful and praiseworthy and fantastic if you can give more than that but um, we've got to remember that there are other important mitzvot and not the least of which is the mitzvah of matanot la'evyonim which is far more important the idea of giving um, gifts preferably of a monetary nature that we give to evyonim to people who are poor to the poor Giving on Purim is a very, very big part of the story of Purim and of the way that we celebrate. We don't celebrate only turning inwardly and thinking about ourselves, but we want to think about those who are less fortunate than us. And here you have to give matanot. It's got to be at least two that you give to Evyonim, at least two people. Um, two people need to receive from the monetary gifts, from the financial gifts, from the charity gifts that you're giving. This is not to friends. This is to poor people. And, um, of course, there are many ways to fulfill this mitzvah. One doesn't have to actually know of or seek out or give directly to the poor people. It can be given to a fund, to an organization, um, such as the Hebra Kaddisha, where one would give them uh, the money and they would distribute it to uh, several people for you and on your behalf um, on Purim. Or in the days thereafter. The main thing is that the money needs to be designated, needs to be set aside on Purim, even if it hasn't actually reached the destination, if it hasn't actually reached the poor individual, as long as it was designated, it was set aside. And so, yes, you can fulfill this mitzvah by putting money into a charity box that would go to Evyonim, that would go to poor people, even afterwards or in the old days. I don't know if anybody does this anymore, writing out a check and setting it aside to be given a little bit later. Um, so there is the hearing of the Megillah There is the giving of the food gifts And there is the giving of the Matanot Levyonim And then the fourth and final mitzvah of Purim Is to eat a festive meal Tomorrow after the hearing of the Megillah And preferably later on in the day One should 
eat a festive meal, a festive meal being like a yomtif meal, a meal at which one uh, washes, makes hamotzi, um, eats bread, um, eats um, a substantial meal like one would on a Shabbat or a yomtif. That should be done in the daytime of Purim. There are many who try to do that um, specifically in the latter part of the day so that we kind of extend Purim. We begin it in the afternoon and we extend it out into the evening so that it actually goes into the next day. Of course, we know that our day begins with evening, according to Jewish thinking. We're back with you to sum up right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Now, there is an unwritten rule, or actually a written rule, um, on Purim um, that one should actually imbibe. One needs to say lechaim, you need to drink. Um, and, of course, very, very contentious and very, very debatable as to what the extent of the drinking actually is. But I'll leave it to you to make up your own uh, mind. It says that a person needs to um, drink on Purim until he no longer knows the difference between Arur Haman and Baruch Mordechai, between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai. Now, what does it mean? Uh, that one needs to drink until one knows no longer that difference. I think that perhaps the best suggestion of what that actually means is we need to reach a level somehow on Purim whereby we no longer are given over to the thought that we understand everything, that everything is rational, that all the things that happened in the Purim story were just coincidental, that they all were by chance or that they were all were by that favorite uh, youth word today of random, that everything was just random but that in fact it's not random. We need to reach a level whereby we understand through our simcha, through our joy, that um, there is something that is much grander, much greater that is going on in our world and that is behind all of these seeming coincidences coincidences and all these seeming um, um, randomness um, that we often think um, pervades, but that in fact there is God's hand behind everything, that in fact it is all a spiritual journey, and hopefully our um, simcha will lead us to that. Well, how do we get there? There are some people who can do it um, in and of themselves. Kolakavod, wonderful. There are some who need a little bit of a um, uh, um, some kind of spiritual help in order to be able to get there, and Kolakavod to that as well. We certainly are not meant to become abusive. We're certainly not meant to abuse alcohol, and we certainly are not meant to allow children under age drinking and so on is certainly not allowed and not permitted and should not be on uh, Purim or at any other time, of course, but certainly not in the name of Purim at all. Um, we need to be careful. We need to be careful with our children. We need to be careful with our uh, alcohol intake, and we need to be careful with um, the effects that it can have afterwards, such as driving and so on, um, which we certainly may not, definitely not uh, do um, when it comes to Purim or, of course, at any other time as well. So, in order to be able to keep ourselves in the happy spirit, it is traditional to drink some wine. Um, the wine being, of course, that Esther was the one who made the wine parties. Um, if uh, wine is not your uh, drink of choice or you can't take it, something else may certainly be used. But it is traditional on Purim to say l'chaim, to be merry, to be happy, to be joyous, and to bring extra simcha into the day, celebrating just the fact that we are Jewish that we're excited to have uh, this wonderful um, and deep and profound spiritual occasion. We need to remember that on 
um, Friday, the day after Purim, <coughs> is actually called Shushan Purim. That is the day on which Purim would be celebrated and will be celebrated in Jerusalem. Jerusalem has a special dispensation, um, being that it is the only city that qualifies as a walled city from the time of Joshua, from the time of our conquest of Israel, that that walled city celebrates Purim on the day after. So, um, if you're in Jerusalem on Friday, it'll be on Friday that they celebrate all the uh, things of Purim. All the mitzvahs of Purim are actually kept on Friday rather than on Thursday. The effect for us is <clears throat> that it is a semi-Yom Tov. Let's call it on Friday as well. Tachanun penitential prayers are not said um, during our prayers and so on. And it's got the throes of the Yom Tov of Purim um, in it as well. So it just remains for me to wish you a very, very happy Purim. I hope that the rest of the fast is not too uh, big a deal for you and that uh, Purim itself is really, really joyous, that it is uh, so joyous, hopefully, that it not only reminds us of um, a time of diaspora when all of these um, events actually unfolded in the Purim story, but that ultimately we will see, as they did then, uh, the rebuilding of the temple, the building of our temple of Abet HaMikdash, in Yerushalayim. Please God, with the coming of Mashiach, I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Purim, a freilich and happy Purim, and a great Shabbat up ahead. I'll be back with you same time, same place, next week on Judaism 101.9.